Happy holidays, listeners, and Happy New Year to you from all of us here at Stage Whisper. We have a special episode of the Broadway Bulletin for you uh, today. We are going to do a sort of year in review for you today, uh, rather than our normal Broadway Bulletin. Um, so with that, why don't... Why don't we just jump right into it? I mean, we've got a lot of the yeah, uh, I mean, holiday hurrah already. So there was a lot of great theater that we saw this year. Um, I mean, I think I saw the bulk of it. since Somebody was working kind of at the Winter Garden Theater most of the year. We've comprised kind of three lists. Two of them we're going to make uh, public closer to New Year's itself, which will be our best of Broadway and best of off-Broadway. Um, but today, we're actually just going to let everyone in on what we feel are the best shows, theater shows, across the board of 2022. And that's to say, I mean, not that, that you know, if they didn't make the list that their show was bad by any means. This is just clearly head and shoulders above what These we are the ones the that stood out to us that we, that if you were to ask us, what you should see while you're in New York this year, these would be the ones that we'd tell you. Right. And so these are and the shows are really less a lasting impact. Maybe we had so much to say about it, or in some cases, we were left speechless. Um, so why don't we just go ahead and dive into it? Uh, and in no particular order, uh, the first show that I kind of want to uh, throw a shout out to are actually friends of ours and, and, and features of the downtown theater scene here in New York, uh, which is by the, they're the Fled. And they do a great weekend show called Serials. Uh, I was introduced to this back in uh, July. And it is a fantastic experience. Uh, it's an episodic theater experience where you go, you see five episodes essentially of a show. You vote on your favorite three. And three of the five will move on to the next week. Um, two new episodes, two pilot episodes are shown the following week. And, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. So they just wrapped up their return season this year. And what was great is getting to see, you know, where we started in August and where we are now. There were still two, you know, stories that all the way from August to here because we were all just like so riveted by this. You know, we had to see where it went. We had to see where it went. And I'm hoping that they've moved on. I haven't seen yet. But I'm hoping that they moved on into the new year because I want to see more of it. But that was the fun of it. Um, you know, and the way the process of, you know, the writers only having two days to write the script and then rehearse for two days. I mean, it was great. What a cool theater experience. So shout out to Serials by The Flet. Again, another no particular order. Let's talk about one coming to Broadway. Fat Ham. Oh my gosh, I loved Fat Ham. It was one of the best off-Broadway experiences I had last year, or this past year. And it was, I mean... It was unexpected. It was heartfelt. It it really gave me everything I could have wanted from a show. Yeah, the whole premise and story was amazing with this show. And I'm so excited to see what changes, if any, they make before they or when they come to Broadway. But this was just a great experience and truly fantastic writing. The next show I want to just pay homage to actually is your show, The Music Man. I feel like a lot of people might think that this is a bias pick, but actually... No, I genuinely think this is one of the best shows of 2022. I think Hugh and Sutton give such an incredible performance. 
And they're only matched equally by their fellow castmates, you know, Jane Howdyshell, Jefferson Mays, the entire company, really. Um, yeah, Hugh and Sutton star in this show, but everyone really stars in this well, show. Well, my favorite part about experiencing the show day in and day out is seeing how much fun everyone has with each other, and it allows me to have fun with them. I would say probably looking at the list of shows that we have, this is the most fun show. I've, I've told people time and time again, this is not the show that you leave inspired to create art, but you go and you have an absolute blast. And each of the times that I've had the privilege of seeing this show, it gets better and better. The fodder and play between Hugh and Sutton, the game of trying to make each other laugh, gets more like the stakes get bigger and bigger and they're throwing caution to the wind and we as an audience have more fun so this is one of the most fun times i've had on broadway and why not you know it's and then tying into that having that inside knowledge from you backstage and knowing what how well these a-list you know celebrities are treating everyone around them it feels you know it's an entire family backstage it makes you love that show just that much more um, so yeah, the Music Man for me was one of the best shows of 2022. Right. Um, also, uh, Kimberly Akimbo. Let's talk about that one. I can talk about this for days. This is right now my favorite show currently on Broadway. So I haven't got to see it on Broadway yet, but I'm very excited to. I loved seeing it off Broadway. I loved what I've been hearing. I love the way they've been marketing it. I just love everything. Also, one thing I found out about that I didn't quite realize is so there's a song called anagrams and the the kid makes up an anagram of kimberly's name well akimbo i thought was a made-up word me me too no akimbo means hands on the hips and elbows turned outward so it's that pride stance it's that defiance stance and finding that out just made me love the show that much more yeah, I, I love everything about this show, from the music to the characters, the balance on stage. Yeah. It, you are, it, it drives home a real human message. And it, I think the reason why you feel so much is because it forces you to let your guard down through humor. Mm-hmm. It puts you in that safe space through humor, but then all of a sudden you're like, oh, why am I feeling all these feels? And... I love that. I love this show. It's a beautiful show. Don't miss it. Yeah. You know, I I, I want to ride the Music Man train just a little bit longer. <laughs> I want to talk about a former cast member of your show, Jefferson Mays. Uh, he did the one-man Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that that... I, I think a lot of people might be surprised that that... You know, it's a seasonal show, that that made the list. But this was so impressive. I mean, Jefferson Mays gives a master class in his craft. I already knew he could play multiple roles and whatnot because I've seen him in Gentleman's Guide, for instance, you know. Or, fun fact, check him out on Law & Order SVU when he's the crazed serial killer that can play multiple personality. Like, it's amazing. Like, he, he, he's got this down. But... From the get-go, like, you walk in and it's very eerie. This is not going to be your, you know, Muppets Christmas Carol happy. It feels like Christmas. No, it is, no. The, it is the dark aesthetic that the book was, the style that the book was written in. It's meant to frighten you. Right. Well, because um, before, you know, America took Christmas and ran with it, um, Christmas actually was seen as a 
day where one of the where the the veil between life and death was actually at its thinnest so the idea of these ghost stories um was very common right that's why there's there's ghost stories and christmas carols i haven't had a show that starts with a jump scare and a scream i mean You've got that coffin, and then I couldn't understand why they were harping so much about your phones don't have to be off, but they can't be, like, you can't have the screen on. I thought, that's so weird. Like, why are they saying that now? It's like 15 minutes of curtain. Like, let's chill out. And then when it starts, it starts with that blackout and that big cagoom, and everyone screams in the audience. Well, and this aesthetic is just beautiful. And he does the first 15 minutes by a single candle. Mm-hmm. And it was just incredible. I mean, it was. It was like nothing I'd ever seen and I was like I could go back again and again yeah, tell me the this story tell me the, all the stories the aesthetics that they used to, for that show was something that I thought was only possible on film yeah so speaking of fantastic storytelling I want to jump to what I would say is probably one of the most genius plays that played on Broadway this year uh, a London transfer uh, I'm going to say it now. It's going to be nominated for a Tony for Best Revival of a Play. The director is going to get nominated for Best uh, Best Director. The two leads will be nominated for Best Actor and Actress, as well as a Featured Actor. And, of course, I'm talking about Sharon DeClark and Wendell Pierce in Death of a Salesman. Um, and they're also going to get garnered with set and light. I mean, this this production, top to bottom, was incredible. It is a three and a half hour long play and um it doesn't feel that way at all the the approach the the interpretation that this director has taken into arthur miller's story is absolute genius and the semantics and symbolism that are ingrained throughout the show I mean, it, it is genius. You, you. There are very few things in your life that you see that you just immediately, the only way to describe it is genius. And this is one of them. I left and I was just like, that is how Arthur Miller is supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. I never thought to think of Willie Loman as, 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 uh, spoiler alert, I've never thought to think of Willie Loman as, as suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia. And that's how they portrayed it. And it made things make so much sense. So much sense. Um, and to another spoiler alert, to, to have the moment where he plants the seeds at, at the end before he kills himself. And then that also doubles as where he's buried. And flowers bloomed where he was at. I mean, what a beautiful, uh, you know, just on the, on the spot on the stage, what a beautiful moment. And then when you see his oldest son, Biff, exit at the end in the same pose his father entered in in that silhouette of a salesman it's art it's genius so i this for me was chef's kiss speaking of genius i think we should jump to confederates oh the confederates dominique morso captured lightning in a bottle so well this year with this brilliant play I'm still holding out for a Broadway transfer. This was incredible. Mm-hmm. The show just had the perfect framing to have a inclusive conversation about 
uh, racism in America. Particularly in um, an educational higher setting. education yeah. and in, in like employment. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, I, I remember seeing it and immediately leaving and telling you, I have to find a way to get you to see the show. Mm-hmm. You have to see the show. It is it is that good. It is that inspiring. The, the way, text is that good. The way that um, Dominique Morisot was able to just thread these parallel worlds together mm-hmm. and make it so eye-opening for an audience and to be able to be the conversation starter that it is, yeah. is brilliant. And I think that's something that's worth singing from the mountaintops. Absolutely. I I saw the show with you, or I saw the show twice. I sent a friend to it. I This was one of the hottest shows I remember seeing in the spring. Like I was like, this is... The spring, this paired with another show on our list, I was like, yes, this is so important. Well, and especially if you're a person who um, wants to understand more about intersectionality and how that plays in our day-to-day lives, this show is is the one. Yes. I want to now go to a show that has a special place in my heart. Um, the playwright was our very first guest on Whisper in the Wings. Um, so she's a good friend of the show and her play left a very big impact on me. Um, I'm of course speaking of Victoria Fragnito and her play Scar Tissue. Uh, it was the first time I ever went to the Players Theater, um, down in, um, Greenwich Village, I believe. Uh, it's right there by the Minetta Lane Theater. But um, I just remember it's a, it was a very small theater, like a black box. And this play about sexual assault, particularly, you know, like date rape in college and the effects, the long lasting effects of it and confronting your assaulter, you know, mm-hmm. um, it was so powerful and it left such a lasting impact. And I remember after, you know, the curtain call, Nobody left. Everybody was still in their seats and the conversation started. So she was the first person I ever approached afterwards. And I was like, hi, I am from Sage Whisperer. And I really, please come on our show. I want more people to know about your work. It's that important. It's that impactful. And it is. It's such an important and powerful piece of theater. And um, and that's why it's on, on our list of best shows of 2022. I hope that this show continues to be done because it's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of um, empowering women, let's move to six. All right. So you so you, you were the one that, that wanted six on the list. And this is interesting. Now, I'm not saying that six is not a bad show. It is a fabulous show. It, for me, didn't make my list of best shows. But I want to tell me more. So I think that especially um, for a feminine perspective, six is one of the do not miss shows for me, for this year and for many years to come. And a lot of that comes down to it It has such an empowering, a self-empowering message that is um, glamorized. And that's something, that's something that's hard to do, um, you know, without coming across cheesy. And so the fact that we have this show that can span generations, that can help inspire... Um, 
you know, female empowerment between all ages, but also it is, it, I, I've gotten the pleasure of hearing feedback from the kids that I work with after they've seen this show and hearing the impact that they've had is just amazing because you have these young boys who are like, yes, look at these queens, look at these girls, they rule the world, yes, women, let's raise them up, let's, strong women, you know, like these boys who are like, yes, I want to help empower women and I want to help, you know, raise them up and make them feel like the badasses they are. And I think that for a show to be able to do that intergenerationally and and even, you know, between just everything, like it comes at the crossroads of reminding everyone to not only empower yourself, but empowered women empower women. You know, it's that same concept, empowered people empower people. So I think that this show perfectly summarizes that and has a and is able to do that with commercial success, which means that it's a good message that's going to stick around for a very long time. Okay. I I agree with all of that. And I'll also add that the music is fantastic. Oh, yeah. And the production quality is also amazing. I love the show. And I would, if anyone ever offered me a free ticket to see six, I would absolutely jump on that. Yeah. So I can get behind that. Speaking of empowering, I, then I want to shift gears a little and, and I want to speak on empowering to another off-Broadway show that was on MCC called Soft. And this was a beautiful piece of theater and it was addressing um, softness among black men. What they, mm. you know, uh, you know, dealing with the idea of, of homosexuality and just softness in general, you know, which is seen as weakness. And it was a beautifully written and brilliantly performed play about these young men in prison and an English class and about them dealing with the suicide of a classmate and it comes out this classmate who was in love with this other classmate and if I remember right he had AIDS and that's why he killed himself and the teacher could have done something about it because he tried to reach out to him before he killed himself and there's a lot going on, but the, I mean, it's a brilliant conversation. There's a brilliant subject, but the most empowering moment was the other classmate who was in a relationship with the one that died ends up killing himself as well. Mm. Yeah. When he gets to the other side and he finds his lover, they, this, the first young man who kills himself um, is finally like accepted who he is and his softness as he says and then he, they acknowledge the audience and they talk about how we have to accept who we are and really just empower use that to empower ourselves so they ask all the people of color to stand in the audience and then they go to each person in the audience you are seen and you are loved and they give them a flower and I thought this was the most beautiful thing in the world because I was like every I, I wanted this in every show because I want as we diversify our audiences and our theater I want 
audience members of color to know, despite everything, that they are seen, they are loved, they are wanted, that the theater is for everyone. And if they don't feel welcome, we need to know and we need to fix it. And in the show, you know, there was that, I guess, marketing part of it, but then to add that message of no matter who you are. Because I feel like for the longest time, you know, white people being told, hey, no matter what, you're loved, you're here, we love you, blah, blah, blah. But has anyone mm-hmm. been telling that to, you know, communities of color? Yeah. So to see that message, I was like, oh. And I want to build on that one with another powerful drama we saw at another great off-Broadway house, Playwrights Horizon, Downstate. Yes. So <clears throat> I think the, the brilliance of Downstate is it exists in the gray area. It humanizes the people we tend to polarize. Yes. Um, and so because this show focuses on um, sex offenders and people who are on the registry and, you know, how even though there are these things that a lot of us see as black and white, it reminds us that inhumanity lives the gray area. Well, it challenges <clears throat> our idea of a correctional system. And this play asks a lot of moral and social questions that I feel like any audience member can sit there and argue both sides. You know, one of them being, well, the county board has voted and they have extended the restriction zone to this many feet. Well, and they're like, well, now we can't go to the grocery store we've been going to. You know, how am I supposed to do that? Well, I guess you're going to have to figure that out. And it's kind of like, I am all for protecting and I'm all for punishment. But if we're a correctional system, where's the correction? At what point does the punishment like stop? Do you know what I mean? Well, And it comes down to, um, it comes down to, do we really believe in rehabilitation? If we continue to punish these people that we say have been rehabilitated. Exactly. Are we really giving them the fair chance to start their life again? Or are we just setting them up for failure? Mm-hmm. And, and that really challenged that. And then it, what I loved is it didn't paint these parolees as angels by any means. No. It was just a human story. And oh my gosh, that second act. Well, and just oh. the fact that you can have you can have you can see the gray areas between a a victim and their abuser, and you can start to see how cycles of abuse can start, and how it's a whole systemic thing that it's not only you know within our family units, it's within our community units, it's within our justice system, it's it's a whole thing. Yeah. Now, I'm glad you said systemic and justice system and all that, because I want to bring in another Broadway show that I saw last week, our final Broadway show of the year, which is uh, Between Riverside and Crazy. A brilliant show. Common's Broadway debut. But it's, it's not about him. It's about the actor that plays Pops. And it is just... the I gotta buy the script. And it's so perfectly acted. It's about a cop who basically is on disability. He's, he's 
he was shot, right, Mm -hmm. by a white cop while he was off duty. And now he's kind of suing the city, right? Mm -hmm. He was shot six times by this white cop. Now, it comes out that he was at a bar that he was warned he probably shouldn't, like in an area he shouldn't be at. They were like, don't hang around this area. It's a known bad area. At a bar, he was told kind of the same thing. He was a drunk. But he came out early in the morning and he was shot by this white cop. And he claims, the pops claims that he called him an N-word while he shot him. In fact, one of the powerful moments is when he spells out the N-word and he says, I got a bullet for each letter. And he spells out the the word. Mm-hmm. Now later on, he find, it comes out that the white cop actually didn't say that. But by saying that, it strengthens the case against the city. Mm-hmm. And you don't find out that till later. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're on you're on this cop side. You're like, why? How could the city be wanting to fight this? A white cop shoots a black cop, and they're like, "Look, we'll just give you a little bit of money and go away." And what pops is standing up for is he's like, and see, this was this is this is a play that's been written years ago. Pops is saying, this needs, this has to matter more. This has to be more than just a payout. And I thought that, especially now more than ever, that's so important to say. Why is this officer, you know, the officer was suspended without pay for just a little bit, an investigation, and now he's back on the force. And I'm like, this dude, that's attempted murder. What mm-hmm. right did he have to shoot him? Mm-hmm. Are we just going to ignore that? You know? And it deals with that. It deals with uh, his son is just out of prison. It deals with that. It deals with, like we mentioned, drugs and rehab. Because there's a friend of his son's who's staying with him. And he relapses after he has a confrontation with his father. In the end, Pops has a heart attack. And he's bartering with the city to settle because it's an election year. And he kind of sticks it to the man. And he benefits every. It's a beautiful story. And I, it was a hectic night for me. And I thoroughly enjoyed the show. It made all the craziness of my life go away. And the fact that I was able to enjoy the story and invest in the story, but also want to go and do social change meant so much to me. So now I want to switch gears a little. I want to talk about a show that didn't open this year. Didn't open last year. Just closed this year. But it is one of my favorite shows. And it was just as good as ever. Of course, and speaking of Come From Away. That Come From Away is just such a beautiful human show. Yep. Um, it reminds you of the goodness of humanity. Plus, I love that it's a show about a community done in a ensemble style show. So not only is it talking about community, but it's actually living it. Yeah. Um, which I think is just beautiful. I've seen that show, honestly, I can't remember how many times at this point, and it never gets old. It was a song that I walked down the aisle out of my wedding to, at mm-hmm. our wedding to, I should say. <laughs> I was, I cried when I saw the second to last show before it closed. Um, it was just such an impactful and powerful show. I'm so sad it's gone, um, but it left a lasting impact. The music is beautiful. The story is beautiful. I believe it's still on Apple TV, but I'd have to look. 
Um, mm. But it was it created this world, a community, these great characters, mm-hmm. um, and it's just amazing. Uh, anyone out there who has a come from away story, we'd love to hear it. Um, but I'll never forget the first time I listened to the album when we landed here in JFK that year, 2017. And I told you something's wrong because I don't understand why Dear Evan Hansen won and, and come from away didn't just on listening to the albums. Mm-hmm. It was the first show that I saw that we saw when theater returned. And I remember sobbing the minute the music started because I was like, oh my God, we're back in the theater this is real this isn't on the tv uh, we are here in the show mm-hmm. field and i remember crying yeah on the northeast tip of north america and i was like oh my gosh i am here at the start of them like it it felt so good it was the show that we always used to conclude our trip from 2017 to 2019 it was a perfect send-off you know and just reminds yeah. you of the good of humanity yeah. speaking of the good of humanity um Let's now. Shall we go for it? <laughs> go friend. Let's let's talk about Titanic. This is a show I feel like was like a gag. This is like Stranger Things for me. It was written as a huge joke that actually is so good, and it and it continues to play. I okay. <laughs> This is a spoof on, obviously, Titanic, you know, and it's told, it's Celine Dion's version of Titanic, using the music of Celine Dion. It's like a bar show. In fact... It is a bar show. In fact, the first theater that it was uh, done in, there, I mean, it was a bar in, there was a bar in the basement. It's, well, it's called, it was it used to be called The Asylum, R.I.P. Asylum NYC. Um, but there, you know, there were two bars as you walked in. I mean, you got drinks. You settled in. It was in the basement of a Gristides, an old Gristides. And it was just, I mean, it was ridiculous. But it was so good because it was so smart. Mm -hmm. I saw this show the day I got back after my father passed. And it was exactly what I needed. It was exactly what I needed. And even to this day, I'm like, look, if you've got three days in town, see this Broadway show, see this Broadway show, and then go see this off-Broadway show. I promise you won't be disappointed. Now it's at the Daryl Roth Theater, where it was supposed to play through, I think, the end of December. Now it's playing through the end of May. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. And I said this the when we talked about it on the Broadway Bulletin. I would not be surprised if this thing makes Broadway transfer, truly and honestly. It's so smart, and it's so good. And the actress, who's also the co-writer, who plays Celine Dion, is a perfect imitator Mm-hmm. of her it is ridiculous i've seen the show twice now i have so much fun seeing it and i i'm not ashamed to put this on our best list like this was too much fun if you ask me yeah i just i just it's good fun it's good humor it's something that i mean It'll be interesting to see how it holds up over time because it's really intended for people who were alive when Titanic was really big. And it's just fun to be able to have that spoof of it. Well, this is the thing. I don't... I think all you have to do is you have to know Titanic. Mm -hmm. And who doesn't know the film Titanic? I don't think even like, you know, we, we grew up when Titanic came out in the 90s. But... 
come on, I know the kids today also know the Titanic film. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's a film that everybody watches. The thing that I love is they've got all these pop culture references like Drag Race and that that I feel like they could just update as they need to. Yeah. You know, it's... The writers are so smart. They've done such a good job with this. And like I said, I think they intended us just to be a gag. Like, we'll just play a few weeks in the summer and call it a day. And it's like, no, really, you've done something brilliant here. We have to keep it going. And I'm so happy for them. And I wish them nothing but success. And I want to speak on fun success. and success. <laughs> and um, for me, um, a shock, actually, in a way. MJ. Okay. I want to take a second to acknowledge MJ. Uh, they, it, this show made my list and, and for well-deserving reasons. When MJ announced that it was coming to Broadway, I, of course, was like a lot of other people that I was like, okay, here we go. Another jukebox musical. Um, and, of course, it's Michael Jackson. So here we go. Like, how bad is this going to be? And th- I, I couldn't be more wrong. Cynicism be damned, you know? Um, it was... So good. Well, and if you're looking for just a good time to, you know, celebrate the better parts of a artist's career, well, MJ is the one. It's the artistry. The thing that I love is what everyone remembers, I feel like, of Michael Jackson is either just the music or possibly just the scandal. But if you were to be like, do you know where his dance moves came from? Do you know where the inspiration for his music came from? Do you know where... He was a complicated artist. Yeah, and this show dives into that. And the way that they... The vehicle that they do it through is so brilliant. And so the songs that they picked to use, because they had a vast catalog, was great. And the artists, the actors on stage are incredible. And I just... I found myself being like, this is how a jukebox musical should be. This is how a biopic musical should be. Because it was, it is probably the best biopic musical I have seen. Um, And the artist, the actor playing um, Michael Jackson, Miles Frost. Frost, I was like, he just won the Tony, was incredible. The only thing that I had to complain about, if I had to complain, a lot of people have, but I think it's actually part of the show, is the sound. It gets very loud mm-hmm. towards the second act. It starts at a certain level, and it continues to build. But I'm like, that's actually kind of like a concert. Exactly. And I was like, okay. And the thriller scene. If you're Look, I know the tickets can be pricey for the show, but it, the thriller scene is worth the price of the ticket alone. You know, it's, well, and it's incredible. It's just a... It's, it's one of those shows that you you go to to have that touch of nostalgia to have a good time and to maybe gain an understanding of an artist's life Out our list, we've come to our final two shows, and in my opinion, these are the two best shows, at least I've seen all year. I want to start with the play. I picked a play and a musical to finish on. See what I did there? <laughs> this play 
is, I will say, the best play I've ever seen on Broadway. It's the best new work, new play I've seen on Broadway. It's such a brilliant work, and the fact that it had such a short life on Broadway is a travesty. Travesty. Um, somewhere, someone done did them dirty, and they're going to pay for it. And of course, I'm speaking of the brilliant play by Jordan Cooper, Ain't No Mo. This is a show that left me speechless. And I... Jordan Cooper is the youngest playwright to ever have a show on Broadway. And how he was able to just put in a play, a 90-minute play, just that much about such powerful subjects is so impressive. I was moved and changed and touched I mean, it. There's a scene where Crystal Lucas Perry plays an inmate. Let me back up. The quick premise of the show is basically there's a flight, there's one last flight from the U.S. to Africa for all people of color. The U.S. government's giving you, uh, paying for a ticket for all these people of color to go back to Africa, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shocking, I know. Very offensive. But, you know. And that's what they're like, hey, let's get out of here. And you meet different people of color in different situations. And they address these things. You know, the one of the first scenes deals with um, a pregnant woman at a clinic. And her, the, the baby daddy's like, don't do this. Don't, don't end our child's life. Yada, 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 yada. And she says turn around let me see the back of you and you see bullet holes in his back and she says that's why I have to do this because he's either going to end up in prison or dead mm-hmm. and you that truth she, like it it oh. but in the prison scene they're letting out these prisoners to go and get on the plane and when they bring the the belongings of Crystal Lucas Perry they say here's everything you had when you came in and she says no no I'm missing stuff Where's my child? Where's my home? Where's the 20, or where's the you know, number of years that I had that I've lost? Where's that? And she's, it's a philosophical point, but it's a powerful point. And she just, she's a woman that breaks. And, oh, your heart breaks. It is incredible. I, oh. I'm getting all teary-eyed just thinking about it. It's such a brilliant show. And like I said, it is beyond travesty that it didn't... Tragedy. Tragedy, travesty. It's an appalling mistake that it didn't play longer. I shame, shame, shame on Schubert for not allowing this show to play longer. I mean, it. even if it was one person, this show is so important. So, um, But Ain't No Mo... Like I said, best play for me. And now we come to our final show, which I don't think our listeners have heard at least me talk about this show enough. Never. Um, I feel like, let, let's see if I can come up with a clever way to lead in. I suppose we could let the show burn. <laughs> at least that's what the producer was hoping. I mean, why should the cast die in springtime? 
when all the flowers are in bloom. None of these are working for you? No, not at all, sir. <laughs> We're, of course, talking about the incredible show Paradise Square. Oh, my gosh. I, uh, I fell in love with this show. I you fell hard. I fell hard in love with this show. I I known about this show because we had a friend Alex Bowden who was Alex Bowden Alcor, who uh, was a production assistant um, on it when it was in Chicago. So as it was coming to Broadway, she gave us a heads up about it. She's like, "You're gonna love it." I was like, "I can't wait." And in the night, I was just to go. it was right after their opening COVID, of course, COVID, that fun party. So I had to reschedule, and but I also realized that a good friend of mine, AJ Shively, was in it. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So when I finally did go, and uh, friends of the show, oh, uh, well, members of the show, my ladies from the Curtain Call Conversation, they had all seen it, and they're like, you're going to love it. So all this anticipation, which... Is great, but also I'm kind of like, oh no, I hope it lives up to this hype, because if it doesn't, ugh. And the show starts, and I was like, cool, I'm not sure about this music yet, but wow, this choreography is great. And the further we got in the music and the show, I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's one of those shows that needs to be experienced, um, is the best way to describe it. And then... Seeing Jaquina Kalukongo collapse when her husband dies. And just the end of Act 1, Heaven Help Our Home. Or Heaven Save Our Home. I was like, this is is where we're putting the bar now? That was enough for a show finale. Mm -hmm. And that was Act 1 finale. And then we get into Act 2. And I thought, how are you going to raise it from here? And they did. They just kept it going. And then, of course, we hit Burn. And I don't cry at shows. You can vouch for this. I'm not an emotional guy at all. You're an emotional guy, but you're not a crier. No, I'd be like, oh my. The only show I really like at is Bandstand. Mm-hmm. I, ugly girl, cried. I mean, I. Oh my gosh. I get, I'm getting all teary-eyed just thinking about it. I have never felt power and artistry and just... I, I remember one of the things I wrote and I mentioned was you could feel the emotion and the intensity throughout the show just coming off the stage and into the audience. And you really could. And I left and I was like, I need to go back again. It was like a drug. I needed to get a fix. And I... Uh, was working on our Playbill binders last night, putting all of our stuff away, because I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta you know protect these, and I gotta make room for our next bit of shows. I went, I took my mom, I took your mom, I went with a friend of the show, Carrie, and then I went with one other person. I saw the show five times. Mm-hmm. Five. Between end of April and it's closing in July. That's a lot for a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. I would see it more if it had just stuck around. Um... And I'll also never forget at the Tonys, sitting next to the friend I made, but <laughs> we barely knew. And I don't know how many people I've I've told this story to, but if you go to the Tonys, it's like watching the backstage version of it compared to what you're watching on TV. 
So, uh, you know, obviously on TV, you're getting like this, like, blinders view of everything. So we're watching Paradise Square's performance, and I'm talking to this new friend of mine. And I'm like, wow, oh, yeah, this is an amazing show. And I'm just thinking, where is Jaquina? Like, this doesn't make sense. She's up for the Tony for Best Actress in a Musical. Like, she should be out here. And then we see her enter from the side on that, um, like, proscenium thing. Mm-hmm. In her black dress, even before the oh, music. Oh, the passerelle. The what? The passerelle. The passerelle. Even before the camera catches her, even before the music changes, we see her enter, and I just grab the person next to me's leg, and I was like, oh my gosh. And they're like, what, well, what? I'm like, hold on. I didn't think they were going to do this. This is going to be incredible. And then she sang that song, and something that nobody got to see uh, from the telecast is that the audience was on their feet and cheering before the number ended. Mm-hmm. Before. Everybody was up. And I was like, if she doesn't win this Tony, I'm out. I'm done. I'm leaving. Because that... To exude that in the Barrymore is one thing. You know? Mm-hmm. But she brought that into Radio City. Third balcony, back row, I'm sure felt that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this woman. I, oh. I remember even just watching it at my uh, to- my my work's uh, Tony's party on the telecast. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. It was incredible. It was, she is amazing. The show needs to be remounted. And without that slum, awful, terrible producer who robbed it of its rightful run. Um, All the actors, all the cast were incredible. This was such an incredible show. It was brilliant. Brilliant. So, anyway. (laughs) Those are our best shows of 2022. Um, We're going to have lists for best Broadway and best off-Broadway shows posted, like we said, closer to New Year's. Um, But I think, suffice to say... It was an incredible year of theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, our first full year back, knock on wood. Um, what a year. Our first full year here at Stage Whisper, mm-hmm. covering the theater scene. Wow. I can't believe this is my job. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like freaking out about this. Um, the people we've met, the friends we've made. The shows we've gotten to support and the artists we've gotten to support. The artists we've gotten to support has been amazing. And of course, none of that would be possible without all of you out there, listeners. I, as we wrap up our end of year stuff, just looking at things, where we started this year, where we finished it can't be real. Like there's no way we've gotten almost 6,000 followers on Facebook and, and the number of people that tune in. And I mean, this, this can't be real. This can't be real life. I mean, this is just a little thing we started at our dining room table because we were out of work artists during the pandemic. And like, this is insane. So thank you all. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. It really means the world to us that you tune in and listen and help us build our community. Yeah, it's nothing, nothing makes us happier than 
knowing that there's people out there that care as much as we do about growing and supporting a theater community and wanting theater to thrive. So thank you wherever you're at. Continue to help theater thrive where you're at. Um, as we head into the new year, if you are in a position, help us out to continue this uh, great work. Head over to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. We're making a huge push this year. Uh, we've got a lot of things uh, in the works, but obviously they need some funding uh, and we need help with that. You can sign up for a backstage pass for as little as $5 a month or just leave a tip in the tip jar for just a dollar, you know? Every little bit helps. Um, it helps pay for, you know, production costs, mm-hmm. theater so- tickets, you know, all of that stuff that helps continue to allow us to bring you great material and support arts all around New York and honestly, actually all around the country as we start to do these and live beyond. streaming. Yeah. Streaming theater is a thing now. We've been tuning in all around the world. Um, so please, if you're in a position, help us out. Happy New Year to all of you, and we will see you in 2023. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez. And I'm Hope Bird. Reminding you to turn off your cell phones. Unwrap your candies and keep your mask on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is DJ by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.